Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. Jordan Evans, welcome to The Mentor. Thanks, Mark, for having me. Yeah, where did you come up from? I came up from Melbourne. Um, I was actually, I was just mentioning, I was supposed to fly up last night, got to the airport, uh, and uh, something was wrong with the plane. So they turned me around. So they said. Yes. Um, it might, might have just been not been full. <laughs> you know, it might have only been you and what, what time of night is that? Uh, 6.30 last yeah. night. 6.30, Sunday night, not a lot of people travelling, plane's not full, Don't you know, not going to make enough money out of it, probably cost more to fly the plane than it is in terms of paying passengers. Turn them all around. It was a bloody inconvenience. Yeah, so, um, I, mean, I, that's, I mean, that is by way the, a big conversation. I, I'd love to get Alan Joyce into my uh, straight talk podcast at some stage, but I don't think he's likely to come in, <laughs> especially now he's resigned. So, okay. You've got a business called Mingle Seasoning. You're the founder of that business. Yeah. Um, I'll t- want to talk about that in a moment, but probably you, you're fairly young. How old are you? 32. 32. Yeah. You're fairly young, very young, actually. Um, and how long have you been doing Mingle for? I've been doing it for seven years. Okay, so you goes back to 25, early 20s, mid-20s. Mm-hmm. You're going into a seasoning business, that's food. Are you a foodie or you're a chef or what's the deal? I am a home cook. What does that mean? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not a chef, yeah. um, but I'm a simple cook that loves delicious food and I love gathering around a dinner table with my family. My dad was a business owner, so it was my grandpa. Um, they were both tradies. And so I saw from a very young age, dad run a business. Um, He wanted to hand over his plumbing business to the next generation, but he had three girls and Uh, none of us were interested in toilets, showers or bathrooms. Climbing underneath houses, trying to fix things up later, but it's a big tough one. Yeah. (laughs) But I did see dad be the master of his own destiny. And I think he was such a role model for me growing up. I saw also the powerful influence that he had on his employees. And so I knew I wanted to own a business one day. I just needed an idea. You mean as a kid you did you knew that? Yeah. I was a bit of a challenger, especially to mum. Um, Does that mean you gave her a hard time? I certainly did. I definitely, I just, I was a curious kid and always asked my mum, but why? But why is it like this? That can be so annoying. Yeah, I was that annoying kid. And my older and younger sister, I think from an early age, learned to shut up. But I pushed mum's buttons. Going into the professional workforce, 
I knew that I wanted to build a skill set, but I also knew that challenger within me wanted to create her own rules, wanted to create her own workplace. I wanted to create a workplace where people got really excited and loved working um, and the bureaucracy of a workplace sometimes challenged me. So four years into my professional journey, I was working for a natural drinks company called Cappy Sparkling. They were challenging Schweppes and they're still present in the, on the supermarket shelves And that was a moment time in my life where I discovered natural products. I hadn't really thought twice much about the food and drinks that I was consuming, but in that role, I started to really want to choose better for you products, natural products, things that didn't have preservatives. And I started to become an avid label reader. I also was pretty tight on time. So convenience and meal prepping on a Sunday afternoon was definitely my jam. I'd have my containers out, my chicken out, my veggies out. I was four years into my journey and I was looking for a business idea. Why did you go to them though? Did you Were you attracted to what they, what they were offering or you just went there because that was a job you could get, that was a full-time job? Good question. I actually have a, f- a funny background. So I actually, I studied Japanese and Chinese at university and I went on exchange to Japan. I lived with a Japanese family and I fell in love with the culture. What did you take from that, that experience that maybe was something we didn't see here in Australia? I was fascinated on why people did things differently in different cultures. And specifically in that family, they, were, they gathered around the dinner table every night of the week, which was consistent with my family. In terms of cuisine, there were some interesting things. Like I remember having this thing called shabu shabu, which is like thin sliced meat that you dip into a hot pot. What, at, at the dinner table? At the dinner at table, house. yeah. I mean, eating around the dinner table is a communal thing. And so although as I'm trying to navigate that language, regardless of my ability to communicate, food was a vehicle for connection. And I also think that's what I've also brought into Mingle. There's a reason why it's called Mingle is like food connects us. Yeah. Um, and I reckon booze connects us too, but <laughs> but but food, food definitely because I don't think you should have booze without food. The Japanese mum took quite a traditional role as well. I don't know if you've seen a bento box, but yeah, yeah. every every day that I would go to school, she'd get up at four a.m. and she'd make us these like delicious bento boxes um, with lots of pride, I guess. So much pride with fresh like egg flipped up, rolled, like it was just like the craftsmanship of that bento box every day impressed me. That would be amazing to observe. That would be so amazing and you would really enjoy eating it too because you know that someone spent a lot of time and effort. But seasonings is not a huge huge thing in Japan. Right, because they're usually like unadulterated nearly. They really appreciate quality of the produce and it's more, I'd say, subtle and pulled back. In terms of what you're doing today, mm-hmm. was there anything took out of that whole mm-hmm. experience in terms of your business today? Learning a language is quite a vulnerable exercise. You have to fail and you have to embarrass yourself many totally. of times. And so I remember like rocking up to school and I had a presentation in front of the whole school and I remember getting up there and the theme of the talk was about my dreams And I remember getting up there and I had so much pride. I was like, I nailed this speech. My Japanese teacher came up to me and she said, Jordan-san, I just want to let you know at the start of the speech, you said you had no dreams. Throughout the whole speech, you shared about your dreams. And we were a little bit confused. 
And I was like, oh, how embarrassing. I used like a negative verb instead of using the verb. One of the biggest things around learning language was I had to put myself out there in order to connect with someone else. And I had to be okay with making a fool of myself time and time again in order to get better. And vulnerability is a big lesson to learn. How has that translated into your business life? I own a lot of when I'm struggling, when I need help throughout my business journey, I got to a point where, yeah, I needed help and I ended up taking on business partners. Yeah. Having that level of self-awareness and vulnerability and not make it mean anything about me. When I failed with language, it, it didn't take away from my self-worth. That's not who you are. Yeah. It was just part of my journey and it was part of a growth journey that I was committed to. I was committed to the process. And I think business is like that. I'm committed to the growth process and I have to stumble, I have to fall and I have to really be honest with myself. So in the drinks business, what was their point of difference? Better for you ingredients. Which means what? Which means no preservatives. Yep. There's this preservative called sodium benzoate. Is that in most drinks, is it? Yes, that they claim that specific preservative can be carcinogenic when it's combined with vitamin C. Oh, with vitamin C? With vitamin C, wow. which is like a, a citric acid. Right. So when citric acid is combined with this, it may be cause your problem. Is that in mo like most fizzy drinks or most drinks? A lot online? of fizzy drinks have sodium benzoate and yep. it's also in dips and a range of other different products. It's, but it's a preservative. It allows thing. for the drink to last longer. Right. Wow, that's and that specific ingredient at that time was banned in the UK, but that hasn't translated into the Aussie market. And I started to see the movement. I started to see consumers become more aware of what was in their food and drinks, including myself. Is that stuff written on the back of a bottle, is it? That sodium, whatever the hell Sodium called? benzoate, so it's preservative 211. Oh, you wouldn't, you don't, yeah, so 211, you wouldn't know what preservative 211 is. Most and, people wouldn't anyway. And that's the thing is uh, there are quite a few ingredients where people don't actually know what they are. And so I guess starting Mingle, I really wanted to simplify it and only use ingredients, one, that people could pronounce and two, that people knew. Yeah, well, not many of us are chemists and uh, it's interesting to know that as a young person you were following this theme. Do you remember the yeah. day you thought about this and where were you? I was meal prepping in that in the kitchen with my chicken and my veggies out. So you, you made your meals on Sunday yeah. for the whole week? Yeah, it allowed me to be organised. I wouldn't eat like by Thursday. I was kind of sick of spaghetti bolognese. So I usually would do two meals and I would I would prep them. And at this time I was looking for a business idea, obviously based on my background with Cappy, I was looking for, you know, products that just were simple, better for you. And I was just starting to inquire on what was, what was in products and look at the labels. I grabbed a seasoning that specific Sunday and I never thought twice of what was in seasonings. I grew up like really taking on the food behavior that mum and dad had. A lot of protein, a lot of veggies, but yeah, mum used sometimes something in a distinctive yellow packet. This specific day, I saw the first ingredient in the seasoning that I was using was sugar. How labels work is the first ingredient is the most prevalent ingredient. The first ingredient was sugar, then flour, then salt. And then there was refined vegetable oils and a range of different preservatives. What did you say to yourself? Like It was at that point, like that challenger mindset, but why? But why, mum? Like I got curious to go down to the supermarket and try and find a seasoning potentially that didn't have those ingredients and a better, a better alternative. 
And as I stood at the herbs and spice aisle, I couldn't find a better for you product, but a lot of the brands were daggy and and boring. And, and it was, this category is all about flavor. And I just felt it was really bland. And as a young millennial customer, I was like, I want to be inspired by these brands, inspired to cook. I want some fun. I want some personality. And it was at that point where I thought at 25, well, why can't I do it? Why can't I challenge this category and provide people with a better for you option, but also develop a brand that makes people excited to cook? What did you do next? I knew that I needed to do this business differently. I wanted to own it originally by myself and I knew that I needed to innovate. So based on my experience with Cappy, I kind of knew the marketing dollars that these big brands were spending to get their products in the supermarket. And I knew I had to do things differently. So I um, launched an Instagram account and a direct-to-consumer e-commerce site That was my original business model to try and build a customer base, test the product outside of the supermarket store. But I always had a vision of like eventually getting my products into supermarkets. I probably should say I developed like five products to test with the market. And there were a lot of consumers like me trying to look for better for you options. And there hadn't been a lot of innovation in this category for years. Like what I said, that yellow packet is quite iconic. The specific supermarket shopper in these categories is usually a bit of an older shopper. Mm. Targeting a younger shopper and I was using social media and our direct-to-consumer store to build that database and customer base. You went into an incubator with Chobani? Yes. What's that about? Chobani is an incredible brand. It's it's a US company, but the ethos is quite similar to Mingle. So the founder went to America as a migrant. All the yogurt at that time was full of crap, full of a lot of sugar, and he decided to buy a factory, transformed the yogurt category. I think Greek yogurt at the start was like 5% of the category, and now it's like 30% of the category. But he has an amazing approach to business where he loves to give back. In the US, he started an incubator program. Chobani have expanded to the Australian market. And so they approached me and said, we're looking to start this incubator program. Would you be open to applying? We've seen momentum in the market with Mingle through your social media. And if you're looking to expand into supermarkets, this incubator program for six months would educate you and and show you the ropes of how we've done it. So you would get access to logistics, operations, finance, marketing, sales, and not only that, but you'd be surrounded by five other food entrepreneurs that you can learn off. They chose you out of obviously lots of people, so they must have found you off your um, social media. Yeah. So therefore social media in, in the early stages clearly was working for you in terms of building A, your community, but B, awareness, but also allowed you to find someone like Shivani who was then going to uh, expose you to all the various inputs in relation to running a business as opposed to having a great idea. There's a big difference. Yeah. A lot of the big FMCG food brands don't have a direct relationship with their customer. And so when I was saying like I was trying to innovate, I knew that also – supermarket data is incredibly expensive. So if I can like skip that and have a direct relationship with my customer, I can ask them what, what they like, what they don't like. And, and really like there's leverage there. Another thing I'm most proud of is when I stood at that herbs and spice aisle and I held 
that other brand. I didn't feel anything. There was this brand didn't stand for anything. And something I'm so proud of is so many customers hold that mingle bottle or packet and show their meal with such pride that they want to be associated with this brand. And so that's how we grew. We grew through user-generated content and people sharing their love for the brand. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm back here with Jordan Evans, and she's the founder of a spice brand called Mingle, and it is available on the shelves in the supermarkets, isn't it? Yeah, Coles, Woolies, and Countdown so in New Zealand. I'm going to unbox a promo box, by the way. <laughs> this is not what you're going to get if you go to Coles or Woolies. But in terms of natural ingredients, so what do you do in terms of preserving this? How do you preserve it? It's simply just spices salt. and a bit of salt. It's and actual our normal salt. Pink Himalayan or Australian sea salt. Yep. The shelf life of these products is 18 months. 18 months, right. Yeah. And what, what are these things? Um, yeah, so tomato sauce. That's we, a good one. Yeah, so I realized there was a shitload of sugar in tomato sauce. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Per 100 grams, it's similar to a Coke. Kills me. It's a Coke, like a Coke bottle. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so this has four times less sugar. We've used juice and monk fruit as the sweetener. Yep. Um, and it kind of tastes like a, a tomato relish. But mums love this because they don't feel as guilty giving totally. their, their kids tomato sauce. And what about salt? Is there much salt in it? It's a lot lower in sodium oh, as well. A lot lower in sodium. Um, and that was, I guess, as the business has expanded, obviously I saw a gap in herbs and spices and now we've navigated other pantry categories seeing where there is opportunity for better for you products. Yep. Um, and these, this is another example of I grew up with the distinctive yellow packets. Yeah. If you you look at some of the yellow packets once again the first ingredient sugar if you turn these around it's garlic it's onion it's the spices it's like we we choose flavor first and you can whip up dinner in 30 minutes so mums love these it's a i'd say it's like um a speed scratch way of cooking um it's not scratch cooking but it's it's all you know flavors sorted for you and then you just need to grab your protein your veggies um, and sometimes some stock or posada. This one's Japanese curry. So if the Japanese family, if you sent this back to the Japanese family, you I, say it. I, have, I haven't yet. You should. You send it back I, to them yeah. and say, like, uh, what do you think of this? Yeah. You inspired me. This one's called uh, 
uh, devour this Japanese curry flavour. No nasties, which is that's pretty important. Um, yeah, because I often get freak. Out, I often freak out about the amount of sugar and I don't know, stuff that gets contained in, in the various things that I, I don't make these things. But if I go buy it, I often wonder what the hell's in there. Yeah. Um, well, that's the thing. We're here like to give people more confidence when they turn around that label. Like we have you know, product integrity. So it gives people confidence that they're choosing a better option. And then it also allows people to experiment a little bit more in the kitchen. Like if you're not familiar with how to make butter chicken, Mingle's got you back. And like with this packet, it's going to be delicious and easy to follow What's instructions. The butter chicken's very good. Everyone loves tacos. So I'd say taco and butter chicken. And then our everything bagel seasoning, which is like garlic, onion, toasted sesame seeds, and a bit of salt. It emulates the everything bagel uh, seasoning on top of the bagels. That's gone gangbusters. Um, we had a viral TikTok video that um, made the product sell out in uh, 200 stores. That's gone gangbusters as well. What about tomato sauce? Tomato sauce is a good seller. It's a very competitive category. Right. So we have uh, quite a lot of work to do with educating people. There's a lot of marketing spend that these these big FMCG giants um, spend. So it's it's more difficult shifting that behavior. I, I like this one, you know, because you know what I hate about tomato sauce bottles is the way they get there, all that sort of gunk. Gunk on the bloody yeah. – in the screw top. I bloody hate it. Mm-hmm. Like it's filthy. And if you don't use it for a while, oh my god, it's all turned black, and I don't even think, what the fuck's in there? Like, uh, <laughs> how does it turn black like that? Like, what is that? And I just turf the bottle out because it makes you feel like gagging, you know. Um, I, I quite like this sort of thing. It's a bit like the Chobani, um, yeah, squeeze, the pouches. Um, yeah, the, you know, the yeah. pouches they have with the yogurt in it. Yeah. So, in your journey, you've you know, you get inspired, you do a, an incubator, you get access to people through the generosity of Chobani. You've mentioned, mentioned, ma- uh, managed to get all your stuff onto um, the shelves um, in Woolworths and Coles, both, both of both big supermarkets. After my Chibani incubator program, I both Coles and Woolworths have a local store program. So I was still a one-man show and had big ambitions, but I knew that these retailers, you can't, excuse my language, you can't fuck with them, Like, mm. and you only get one shot. You've got to supply and consistently... Correct. And so going from zero to their national distribution, Woolworths have about a thousand stores, Coles have about 800 stores. Going from zero or like just direct to consumer and a few health food stores, going from there to 800 stores is a big scale up. And I got really aware of that through Chobani. Originally, I um, went through the local store program and for two years, I had one Coles store and 20 Woolworth stores that I drove around on on my weekends. I drove around and, and delivered directly to each store um, because the footprint was so small. I well, that was originally these ones. Correct. I I, um, I couldn't be part of their distribution center. And a lot of people thought I was crazy going f- like, why, why go to 800 stores? And I was like, this is a marathon. I want to test the market. I want to get familiar with the, like the procedures of these big retailers. I even remember the first coal store that I got into, I stuffed up one of the barcodes. Now, if that is a, like a national distribution, that's a recall. But I hopped in my van, I grabbed my other barcode sticker and I could cover all the, the products. That was lucky. So I started small with the retailers. How did it work? You had all these containers and yeah. all the bloody labels and... 
as a, a startup business, it's a lot of money to invest in totally. machinery. So I decided to use a, a third party. I provided them with the recipes. Now we have like a blender, a filler, um, and then we source the packaging. So they're kind of- yeah. Yourselves. Uh, we source the packaging ourselves. One of the suppliers supplies and finds all the spices, blends them, and then fills them into- the different contraptions. Right. They, they do They do that for you. Correct. And then do they deliver it to Woolworths and Coles or do you have to arrange that logistics yourself? Uh, we arrange it. So they deliver it to our 3PL now yep. um, and then the 3PL delivers it, delivers it on to and what's Coles a 3PL? and Woolworths. A third-party logistics system. Right. So you have someone who's got a warehouse with trucks that come in and out and uh, deliver to Woolworths and Coles and that sort of yeah. stuff. That's your 3PL. That's your third-party logistics yeah. business. Yeah. Not yours, but someone else you outsource to. Yeah. So you outsource your um, ingredient collection, the ingredient blending, the ingredient putting in whatever you call that in, putting it into here, and then that goes off to your 3PL, yeah. your logistics partner, yeah. who then makes sure it gets it get, it gets to Woolworths and Coles. Yeah, I'm and, no longer driving around to 800 stores. <laughs> that, that's a good thing. You're a, a business of one. Yeah. Um, where are you now? So um, this was quite a pivotal moment in my business journey. I was a team of one plus an intern at the time. And I was a jack of all trade and trade and a master of none. And I was taking on way too much. I actually joined another accelerator program with Melbourne Uni at that time. And it's a very competitive environment and it was go, go, go. And I was very burnt out and very disconnected from loved ones and friends. And I remember this day, my intern at the time brought in this cookbook called Nonna to Nana. She's like, oh, George, we should do this marketing campaign of have you called your nan? And I said, what a great idea, Em, but I haven't spoken to my nan in six months because I've been too busy. She said, we'll pick up the phone and invite your nan over. Monday night came around and I remember 5 p.m. hit and I was like, why have I committed to dinner with nan? I'm too busy. Like I remember looking at my inbox being like, oh, this is like an inconvenience. Anyway, I remember M said, close your laptop and make some time for your nan. I remember that night very vividly because it was the first time in a very long time I was present with my loved ones. I cooked nan a delicious meal and I properly connected with one of my loved ones. Which is what you've been telling everyone else to do. Yeah, exactly. I was actually like not living and breathing it at that point in my, in my journey And two weeks goes by, I was flying to New York to go to the incubator program um, in the US and I turned my phone on and my nan had passed away from a sudden heart attack. And I sometimes think in life, a death or a health scare or a pandemic makes us like reassess what's important in life and family connection and, you know, living by my values and embodying what I actually believe is really important to me. And I wasn't doing that. And so it was at that point where parts of my business were, you know, weren't thriving. And so I decided at that point, this was pre-scale up to the 800, 1,000 supermarkets, I decided that I wanted business partners and I declared that. Um, And then within a few months, I had a consulting group approach me who were experts in retail and supermarkets and they wanted to explore a consulting arrangement and I had my eyes on exploring a business partnership and we eventually came to them 
helping and not helping owning the operational and retail side of the business. And that allowed me to focus on being a better human being, looking after myself and owning the community and the marketing and the things and the connection with the customer. And that was what I loved. The structure of business now then is um, far from having you know, someone who prepares all the spices and puts them in the in the containers, and then someone else who the, the, your logistics partner. You also have a operations partner, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, do they have a, an inter, a like an actual interest in in the company, or do you just like have a partnership as such? No, they're they're both directors in the business now, um, and they earned equity. Yeah, okay, they've yeah. earned in equity, yeah. earned in equity. Yeah. And when it comes to uh, doing a deal with these people. How hard was that? Um, did you find yourself in a situation where they say, well, yeah, we, we'd like to take, I don't know, for argument's sake, 50% mm-hmm. you know, in return for our investment, we would like 50%. Um, what do you think the business is worth? I mean, because you've got to work out what the, the joint's mm-hmm. worth, what the enterprise value is at that mm-hmm. stage. Did you have to sit down and do that process? Mm-hmm. How did you do a, that? As a founder, you're also very emotionally connected attached to, to Yeah, attached to your business. Yeah, you never want to give anything away. Yeah, um, I am, I, I feel incredibly lucky, lucky with the business partners that I have. I actually offered a certain percentage and they declined and wanted actually less. And I feel now incredibly lucky, but they wanted also to prove themselves and they didn't want to take too much of the pie. And so we, we navigated it based on certain targets that they needed to hit as well. They needed to stay in the business. They're still in the business for at least three years. And also uh, one of the business partners as well took on being the CEO eventually of this business. Did you have to engage lawyers and stuff like that? We did have a lawyer. But um, a shared lawyer or like you got one and they got one? We actually had a shared lawyer. Right. Um, and we it took a year to sign this shareholder agreement, yep. but there was a hell of a lot of trust. And I think we respected each other as human beings first, which has like which has helped throughout the journey. I know a lot of people on the sideline were worried, especially my family, like it and my friends. Everyone gets a bit protective because they're like, you've like worked so damn hard. But I think to have that humility and honesty within myself of like realizing one, I wanted to work with other people and two, that it doesn't take away from, once again, it doesn't take away from my self-worth or who I am, um, that I consciously wanted to bring these people on board and it didn't take away from my value. Yeah. I mean, it is confronting though, having to sit down and talk to lawyers, a lawyer and, and the shareholder agreement you know, that's a, can be a complex, it usually is a pretty complex thing uh, because you sort of try, in a shareholder agreement, you try to legislate for all the things that can happen. Potentially happen. Yeah, potentially happen yeah. as opposed to just how the business runs day to day. It's all about what happens if a dispute arises and or who makes decisions and how those decisions made and it has to be, got to be a majority and, and, and you, as you say, you can get quite, uh, one, you get exhausted by it and just want to run away from it. Um, but two, you can also get quite um, fearful, protective yeah. uh, of what you've created yeah. and thinking, oh, who are these people, imposters? And it does take quite a bit of um, effort to get to know them. 
Yeah. If you can get to know them and feel confident that they're good yeah. people. I had confidence that I still had, I was still the majority shareholder and I still had controlling um, Interest, vote, yeah. voting yeah. rights. Yeah. 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 Okay. So then yeah. that's important too, yeah. as long as they don't get a veto right. But yeah, you've got, they've got the, you've got the ability to control uh, things, but it is a, a very confronting process. So how many years ago was that? That was three years ago. So three years ago, still, still humming along? Still humming along and I think that was the shift for me that also the mission based on that dinner with my nan, the the mission of Mingle really shifted from seeing a gap in the market to really wanting to empower people to see cooking as not just a chore but a real opportunity to create and connect and to align myself with two other people that had that that mission. And then further to that, that intern at the time that gave me that cookbook, I'll be Emma. For, Emma, I'll be forever grateful for. She ended up working with Mingle for three years. She ended up being going from an intern to the head of product and manufacturing. It was a very big responsibility for a very young person, um, but it connected us. And that mission connected the whole team of this is what we're out to do in the world, not just sell better for you seasonings, but really to like make families families more connected. Do you have to employ a food scientist to sort of work out the the formula, so to speak? Yeah. So throughout most of the journey, I've had a, like a technical person that's helped develop these blends. They're called food scientists. Is that what we're talking about? Like- uh, they, they previously were. Right. Now um, our CEO, um, who is a chef, right. he actually develops a, most of the products. Right, okay. Yeah. okay so, so I think it's a combination. There's a technical element, so you have to – we then pass the recipe on to the manufacturer yeah. who have to, you know um, – ensure that like the shelf life of the product, the ingredients, you know, from a chemical point of view, there's going to be no reaction, that the product can have integrity, that they can source the ingredients. So there's still a technical component that we rely on with the the food team with our manufacturers, but we first and foremost go with flavor that's developed internally um, by our team. And where to from here? So, you know, you've you've done really well, but like what's, you know, you're in stores, Coles Woolworths, you're manufacturing, you're supplying the shelves, um, you know, people enjoying your product, you've got a good social media presence, you've got a fairly good range. What happens after this? Yeah, so it's one thing to get the product on the shelf. It's another thing to like stay on the shelf. And something I'm really proud of is we've gone through three range reviews now. So we've like, we've really grown the pantry categories that we've been in and really made a, a mark for ourselves. So I'm not going to lose focus on that. Retail, Coles and Woolworths, it's a competitive industry. So it's to get more customers buying our product in in the Australian market. And then the model around the D to C model and then using that as a testing bed to continue to scale, we're exploring within the next 12 months doing that in the, in the US. Yeah, right. so um, moving into another market. Correct, yeah. And that's cool. Yeah. Uh, I love it when Australians take, Australian products to the US and especially when we kick ass over there, there's nothing better. I really think it's a great product. Um, Australia should be proud of what you've done, especially if you take it over to, to the US. I mean, I, I really I, I love the concept of uh, cleaner eating, knowing what you actually got in your food, uh, particularly when it comes to – because, you know, foods, you know, you can have all the vegetables in the world, but everybody's got to put some spice in because at the end of the day it's pretty boring. Correct. The taste of it is pretty boring, you know, yeah. like – and Cheers, Mark. Mingle is, it's funny, you know, my, my whole, I have a whiskey business and my whole 
ethos about my whiskey business is about having a opening a bottle of whiskey, having a whiskey in order just to talk to your family or friends. Um, that's the whole ethos. It's, mm-hmm. That's why I, I built this whiskey business. Same deal. Mm-hmm. Um, Food and drink mingling, do that. About mingling. It's about, about hanging out together, mm-hmm. having a reason mm-hmm. to. I don't Connect. know what it is. Yeah, I don't know what it is when you're drinking something or eating something or both. I don't understand why that works, but it just does. Um, and it's the best way to connect and never lose never lose connection with your family mm. f- or friends for mm. that matter. And uh, a really important message from someone as young as yourself, but, you know, and you've gone out and done something about it. So, um, you know, the Mingle brand um, I'm hoping in the next five or ten years will be sitting on the shelves of everybody in New York. <laughs> I hope so too. Jordan Evans from Mingle Seasoning. Well done. Congratulations. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me, Mark. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Mentor with Mark Boris. Audio and production is by Jessica Smalley. Production assistants, Simon McDermott. This is a mentored podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.